Hiya, handsome. Come to join the party. Hey, party people. Welcome to the Patrama Party, where we get our freak on with the worst moments of our lives. So grab your middle school journal and your Missy Elliott tea, and let's get into it. I'm your host, Remy Ramirez, and this week we're talking about regret. It's such a complicated topic because sometimes it's so harmful to our mental health, and sometimes it can actually be really helpful. So to help us work with it in a supportive way, I'm so excited to welcome marriage and family therapist, Renee Tate, back to the pod. Hi, Renee. What is up? I'm so glad you're here again. I think this is the fourth time now that you've come on. Maybe, perhaps. I'm glad to be back. It's always a good time. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Well, I'm so, I'm so stoked you're here. You are, to reacquaint people, you're a Cap Sun, Leo Moon, Virgo Rising. We just went through a huge eclipse season. We had two monster eclipse, one, like one right after the other, but in like different axes. One was the Libra Aries axis and one was the Scorpio Taurus axis. So just a check-in, just a little, you know, emotional check-in. How how did eclipse season go for you? How are you doing? I honestly, (laughs) even with the punches that came, it's treated me really well. And I, I think I attribute that to my gratitude practice and the simple fact that I am leaning more heavily into the fact that everything is practice, everything is experience, everything happens for me to grow and to evolve. And so if I see it from that lens, then it feels less shitty, so to speak. Um, And I don't get mucked down in the woe, why is me story of which I can easily go into. Um, We love that story. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Why me? Yeah, um, Yeah. totally. Amazing. And I and that's something that I know about you, because every time we talk, you bring up gratitude and And you're always just shining and buzzing. And like, I love your Insta stories when you're out in a park blowing bubbles. (laughs) Just like, fuck yeah, Renee. Joy. Yeah. Practice joy, baby. Cool. Okay. I'm going to jump into my experience on regret. While I do that, feel free to chime in with thoughts, opinions, lyrics, you know, like any songs you just want to serenade us with. That would be cool. Or you can chill, hang out blow bubbles, eat cookies, whatever you want to do. Either way, I'll turn questions over to you at the end. How does that sound? It sounds great. I'm going to be sipping my tea, listening, doing my snaps over here. (laughs) Okay. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Here we go. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For me, regret really centers around the many times in my life when I've betrayed myself. That regret is so fucking deep for me. So I'll start with an example of that. 
this was about 10 years ago. I was living in LA and I had a best friend, let's call him Dan, who I just loved with all my heart, just all of my heart. Like if you like looked in my heart, like every single part of it, love Dan. (laughs) I thought he was so funny and so smart and so kind and so creative. I just valued our friendship so much that I thought of us as cosmic siblings. I thought of us as kindred spirits who would always be friends. Dan had a couple friends who just really fucking sucked, just like straight up. These dudes sucked. They were super rich and privileged, which is fine. What, you know, like blessed be yay. (laughs) Wealth is great, whatever. But they were also openly racist. They were openly misogynistic and they had like everything handed to them. They were just kind of the worst. But Dan's parents and these dudes' parents, they were brothers, were close, close family friends. So Dan was close with them by default, I guess. One day I was over at Dan's house and these dudes showed up and we were all sitting at the table talking. One of these guys starts talking about this woman, a girlfriend of one of their friends and about how she was pregnant. Someone asked if she was going to get an abortion. And one of these guys says, I'm sure she's not. She's Mexican. So she's just going to have a ton of babies and become a housekeeper. Well, as it turns out, I too am Mexican (laughs) and my eyes were welling up with tears because I was so angry and hurt and disgusted and I didn't know what to do. I could feel myself about to start crying. So I just, I excused myself. I went and grabbed my stuff. I came back into the kitchen, quickly said goodbye to everyone so they wouldn't see the tears in my eyes and like just took off, you know, walking to my car. Dan came running after me and instead of apologizing for his shitty friends, he was like, can't you just know that they're dumb and not let it affect you? And instead of being like, bro, it is truly not my behavior you should be critiquing right now. Instead of that, I said through my tears, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cry, but you know how I am. I fucking apologized for being hurt And for being a sensitive person after someone just like, (laughs) just made this, I mean, beyond offensive comment that was like directed at everything that was me, a woman, a Mexican woman, just like everything. But that's not the worst part. Not at all. Not, not even by a long shot. The worst part is that after that, this fucking dude told Dan that it was uncomfortable to have me around after I overreacted. So Dan had a talk with me and was like, Hey, the thing is he's really close with our family. And so he kind of has to be around. And if he isn't comfortable around you, then there's like nothing I can do. And basically was saying like, I shouldn't come around. And because I loved Dan so much and because I didn't want anything to get in the way of my relationship with him, I fucking wrote an apology letter to this guy so that he would be more comfortable around me after he insulted all Mexican women everywhere right in front of my face. Now, this isn't an episode about people pleasing. This is an episode about regret. So I won't go into the people pleasing aspect of this. What I'll say is that I didn't immediately feel regret about this. I actually felt like, man, I am so loving and so sweet that I did this selfless thing to show Dan how important he was to me. And, you know, doing this thing was just going to bring us closer because he was going to see how how much he meant to me. It would be a couple years. It would take me a couple years before I realized the depth of that self-betrayal and felt really ashamed of myself. Of course, Dan ended up not being a great friend and our relationship fell apart when I found out that he had lied to me to uninvite me to a New Year's Eve party. He told me that it was a dinner party and that the person throwing it was cooking for everyone so he couldn't invite me. She was someone who I also knew. But later I found out that it was a potluck and everyone was invited. When I confronted him about that and about not even like reaching out to me, on New Year's after we'd spent every New Year's together for seven years in a row, without batting an eye, he said, 
I just didn't think about you. There's more to that story, but essentially I found out that this person I was so like devoted to that I loved so much that I would bend over backwards for that suddenly after 10 years of what I thought was a very deep friendship, he, he was just over it. He was over me without a conversation, without an explanation, just was like, get out of here, which now that I say all of this out loud, I'm, I'm really wondering if he's a narcissist. Cause that's like textbook narcissistic behavior to discard someone like that. But when I thought about that, about being treated like, you know, dog shit in the context of this letter that I'd written to that toilet bowl of a human Dan's friend, I couldn't believe what I'd done. I couldn't fucking believe it. Like I'm a feminist. I'm an activist. Like, right. I'm this strong woman. But the second I wanted someone's love, especially a man's love, that's a real big part of my story and my abandonment wound with my dad, I would betray myself so easily and so comfortably that I wouldn't even know I was doing it. And when all of this came into focus for me, I just felt so, yeah, ashamed. I felt so ashamed of myself. The way I acted was so not in alignment with my values. And I was the one who suffered. I put myself in that position. And for what? To just be discarded like actual trash two years later. So that's my first example. Here's another example that I think is so interesting. A couple years ago, I had a friend who was a good deal younger than me. She was into this guy who was very clearly not into her and using her and stringing her along. And she just kept signing up for it. She just kept showing up for this bullshit and letting him get away with it and fawning all over him, even when he treated her like shit to her face. And I, at one point, just kind of lit into her. I wasn't kind. I wasn't delicate. And I wasn't careful. I just laid into her about it. And she was like... I don't understand why you're yelling at me. Like, I know I might be making some mistakes here, but I'm a lot younger than you are. And I just need to do this my way and figure this out for myself. And it doesn't help when you're yelling at me. And I was like, wow, she's so right about that. I immediately apologized. But what I realized was the reason I was yelling at her wasn't because I was mad at her. It was because I was mad at myself. I was still mad at myself because, and I talk about this, this dude on here a lot. So many of you know about him for 10 years. I hooked up with this dude, Howard, I call him on here, who I really liked, who just like walked all over me, who very obviously was using me for sex and whose behavior I allowed. I just let him do it. And the regret I felt, first of all, the intense regret of allowing myself to be hurt by this dude for 10 fucking years. You guys, some marriages don't last that long. I let that shit go on for a decade. And here I was in my late thirties, still single and wondering what would my life look like now if I had been like, okay, bye. The moment he started waving red flags, what would my life be like If I hadn't spent years wondering why he didn't like me and feeling so flawed and not good enough and just letting him use me and manipulate me and, you know, treat me like shit, would I be in a relationship? Would I struggle so much to trust men? What would my life look like? My regret was so deep and my anger toward myself was so deep that when I saw my friend doing the same thing I had done, I started yelling at her as if I was yelling at myself, because inside I was still yelling at myself. I was still mad at myself. I was full of regret. And I think also to some extent, I was scared for her. I was scared that she was going to end up like me. It was such an eye-opening experience because it's not like I sat around thinking about Howard and thinking about how much I regretted it. It, at that point, it had been like 10 years since he and I had last hooked up. And in my day-to-day life, it didn't really cross my mind anymore. But when I got a whiff of behavior that was similar to the behavior I'd had in my relationship with him via my friend, it triggered that regret in me and that anger. And when she called me out on it, 
I immediately regretted it. And I apologized right away. I was just so sorry that I had yelled at her when she was going through something hard and painful because I remembered how hard and painful it was. So in other words, I guess what I'm saying is regret can show up in a lot of different ways. For me, I've had so much regret about how I've let some people treat me, the ways that I haven't advocated for myself or have let other people disrespect me. And in this scenario with my friend, I felt regret for not being kind to her when she was struggling because I still hadn't worked through some painful stuff in my own life. When I think about that regret, the regret over how I let people treat me, it was so clearly coming from this place of feeling like these relationships with these guys were more important than my complete whole well-being with myself. I was so hungry for connection coming out of my childhood, especially connection with men. And subconsciously, I was responding to that hunger by putting my relationships to these men above my relationship to myself. I think that's a really common thing that people do, actually. I think people are constantly dependent on outside love or approval or success or whatever it is, not just in romantic or sexual relationships, but in jobs, in career, friendships, family, and we'll just treat ourselves poorly so that we can get this outside thing that seems to make us feel good. Meanwhile, this outside thing might be also treating us like shit. I see it a lot with people's jobs. They just give and give and give to these jobs that don't care about them, don't pay them well, don't build them up, don't respect them, but they stay in them because subconsciously they feel like they have to, to get some kind of approval or feel successful or whatever it is. So for me, a lot of my regret story circles around this lack of self-worth and the actions I took when I didn't know how to value myself. But the truth about that is that there's really nothing I could have done differently at the time. And that's also kind of hard for me to accept. But I had no idea how to take care of myself emotionally back then. I had no tools. I had no model. I had no guidance. It's easy for us to rage at ourselves with regret, but it just keeps us in these painful, toxic cycles of disrespecting ourselves. So a big piece of my healing has been self-compassion. I had a mentor years ago who said to me, when we commit to our healing, we decide that we will never turn our backs on ourselves. We love ourselves through everything unconditionally. And that has been a key piece of my healing and working with regret. I don't turn my back on myself anymore and tell myself I was an idiot and I got what I deserved. I signed up for that and whatever, all the horrible, mean things we can say to ourselves. It's not that I lie to myself. It's just that I don't talk to myself in that berating way. I don't condemn myself for what I didn't know. I look at these experiences through a lens of what did that teach me? How can I show up differently now as a result of that experience? Another really important way to work with regret is to make amends. In that situation with my friend, when she was like, yo, you're you, you yelling at me, that's not helpful. It's hurtful. I instantly knew I was in the wrong and I apologized right away. It's not that what I was saying to her was incorrect, right? Like that guy she was fucking around with went on to totally break her heart and essentially Every, everything I said was going to happen, happened. But how I said it to her was disrespectful and it wasn't okay. I essentially shamed her for not having stronger boundaries and for not taking care of herself, which is not helpful. <laughs> and, and she deserved an apology for that. As responsible, accountable adults, apologizing is such an important part of how we need to show up in the world. When we regret our actions towards someone else, right? Unless that apology might cause them pain or harm in some way, it's always our job, even if it's years later, to say that we're sorry. And that includes ourselves as well. If we haven't treated ourselves well because we didn't know any better, if we've harmed ourselves with our own actions, if we've set ourselves up for failure as a form of self-protection, it's time to apologize to ourselves to apologize to that inner child we carry around who was harmed in the process, right? And as a result of our actions, you can easily do that by just writing yourself a letter and being like, 
I'm so sorry. I didn't treasure you and cherish you and value you. You didn't deserve that. I hope you know it was purely a reflection of my ignorance and not of your worth. My friend Nicole left a comment in the Patrama Party Facebook group the other day about a practice she does to build self-worth and self-love. She said, you get a little plant and you give it your name. So in her case, she named the plant Nicole. And when she waters it and prunes it and passes by it, she says kind things to it like, oh, were you thirsty, Nicole? Here's some water for you. And oh, you look so beautiful today, Nicole. And she really tends to that plant and keeps it healthy and happy and thriving. And it becomes this external practice that goes deep into her own internal practice of self-love. I think when we're working through regret, there can be a tendency to turn to self-loathing, right? Or self-condemnation or direct a bunch of rage at ourselves. And when that's the case, this little plant practice can be a way to redirect that energy and to channel it into the thing we need most, which is compassion and care and tending to. There are a lot of ways to do that. I just I just love her little plant exercise. One last piece I want to add here is that sometimes when we're in a regret process, a lot of grief comes up. That feeling that we did something wrong or we messed something up, right? And it only, if only we'd done it this way that, you know, XYZ wouldn't have happened. And that can be loaded with grief for what was lost or for what we didn't get or for what happened to someone else or even for what for for what did happen, right? Not just what we lost, but but something that we got that we didn't want. In those moments, I just want to offer that there's such a tenderness in the grief of regret. There's such a heartache that feels terrible because it feels like if only you had done this different thing, if you had made a different decision, if you'd gone down this other path, right? You could have prevented your own pain or someone else's pain. It's really tempting to argue with reality or to not be in full acceptance of the circumstances exactly as they are. But not a single one of us is going to get out of this life without making mistakes that we regret. It reminds me of this job I had at this hippy-dippy restaurant in Berkeley way back in the day. Anytime we made a mistake, we had to yell out, I made a mistake. And then all the other staff people would go, yay. (laughs) That's the medicine you might need now if you're in that arguing with reality space. Like, if only I had done this, if only I had done that, where you just wish you'd made a different decision, right? There's power and healing and being like, I made a mistake. Fuck yeah. I'm going to make my amends. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. And I'm going to be a better version of myself specifically because I made that mistake. Okay, Renee, how are you doing over there? I am just listening and taking it in. At the beginning, my mouth dropped. I, my eyebrows raised, my head shook, like all the things, all the things, so many emotions. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just out there really experiencing, (laughs) just really experiencing the vast spectrum of how humans can show up in the world. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you and I like started to chat about this before. First of all, I shouldn't, I should tell everyone <laughs> we, we got on this call and we we're twinning so hard. Yes. We're both in like a solid colored robe, snuggy situation. We both have our blue light glasses on. At one point we both had really chunky headphones on. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're like cosmically aligned. <laughs> yeah. And we're like ready to fucking get into it. So let me start with this. How does regret impact our mental health? Yes. So it depends. And it depends on your relationship with regret, right? If you have a relationship with regret, that's really, um, what's the word I want to use? That's really rigid, um, where regrets are not okay. It's not okay to have regrets, right? You know, that whole no team, no regrets. Um, That can really leave you kind of down a really unfulfilling life. Um, Brene Brown actually has this quote and I think I'm probably going to butcher it. Let me see if I can find it really quick. It's basically like to live with that, uh, to live with no regrets is not to live with courage. It's, 
it just means living with no reflection. Mm. Right. Oh my, oh my God. Yeah. She's bomb. Um, And so I like to assess or ask and explore what does regret, you know, mean to you? Because if regret is something that, you know, you, you said you can learn from, you can grow from. Yes. The research shows when we recognize regret and that emotion of regret is present, we can grow from it. And when we get stuck in loopholes or spirals or victim blaming or shaming ourselves, then that's where we might need a little bit of support to recognize, hey, you're human. We're all humans. There's no blueprint to this. Let's inject some self-compassion. Let's learn the tools. Let's increase the awareness. Let's be mindful of the way in which we're talking to ourselves. That Brene Brown, I mean, I I know that we're paraphrasing maybe, but like that concept mm-hmm. that the whole like hashtag no regrets just means like no reflecting on your life. Mm-hmm. The truth is, I, yeah, I agree. I think it's healthy sometimes to be like, wow, really wish I hadn't done that. You know, if we never feel that way, then we're never going to make a different choice. And I, I just like, it's just, nothing that makes me, nothing makes me cringe like toxic positivity. <laughs> Get out of here with that shit. Uh, so I, I love that. And you kind of already opened this up a little bit, but let's talk about guilt, shame, Mm -hmm. regret. How do these all work together? What does it look like? So I like to use the frame of guilt being, and I want to say this comes from Brene Brown and a lot of other like folks, um, guilt as being, I am, or I did something bad, right? Guilt is the, I did something bad. Shame is the, I am bad. And regret is the, there was an action or an inaction that led to this consequence or the circumstance that I really wish had gone a different way, (laughs) right? That's kind of like the long and short of it. And the ways in which they can interplay is we might confuse regret as having implications about who we are, right? Dan Pink has a book called The Power of Regret, right? How looking back can help us like move forward. Like I'm paraphrasing that title. (laughs) Um, But basically how when we don't see regret as this thing that can teach us and move us forward, it might oftentimes be because we have a fear of taking accountability and being responsible for something we may have done or something we did not do. His book talks about there are four kind of categories of regret. It's a meta-analysis, heavy research, beautiful book, highly recommended if you want to dive into regret. Um, and there's foundation regrets, boldness regrets, and moral regrets and connection regrets, right? So foundation regrets are basically the, like, I didn't work hard enough to do something. And so now I'm looking back and seeing, oh shit, I should have like saved money all those years ago when I was blowing it in the club, right? It's the classic grasshopper. He gives the grasshopper ant story, right? So those are like foundation regrets. Boldness regrets is I wish I would have acted in a way spoken up for myself, right? And so you might be feeling, oh, okay, I'm starting to see some boldness regrets in my life, right? Right. Um, Moral regrets are I acted in a way that was out of alignment with my values. I acted out of integrity. Mm -hmm. It was not, I was not within my integrity. And connection regrets is typically happens when there is a potential for connection to either be sustained, but then it drifts. So it's really that relational piece. Right. It's like the friendship that fizzles out because no one really contacted, but there was nothing that actually happened to really break you apart. It just, no one ever reached out. So that's like the long and short of it. But he explains so much more in depth. And again, highly recommend that book is so great. Um, And given any of these, we might respond to any of these with like guilt about having not worked hard enough right? Guilt around having acted out of integrity or not having not spoken up or even feel the shame around having not spoken up. But we know that the antidote to shame or the opposite of shame is self-compassion, is recognizing that we are humans. (laughs) We are having an earthly experience and that we're going to mess up sometimes, but that does not mean that we are 
inherently messed up, right? Mm. So guilt and shame can become a part of regret. It can be a response we have when we're actually thinking about regret or when we notice regret is present within us. And even people who say, I have no regrets, I guarantee you, if you were to sit with them long enough, they have experiences of regret. They just don't call it that. It's felt it's, and they likely you're suppressing it and it just comes up in a different way. It's, it's okay to have regrets. Like it is okay. And when we dive into them and explore, you know, how they can help us become better people in the present and for the future, that is like salve. That is like balm for our wounds. Yeah. Yeah. This is a safe space for regret. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to ask you this question. It's kind of long. We can experience regret when we hurt others, Mm -hmm. but we can also experience regret through a lens of victim blaming ourselves. Like I should have seen the signs that I was being cheated on. Mm -hmm. Right. Or I shouldn't have stood up for myself. Then we wouldn't be having this conflict. Right. And I think I wanted to ask this because I think this kind of regret is common in Um, like victims of narcissistic abuse or people who have a fawning response, uh, people pleasing, right? Which I think happens a lot. And especially when we haven't gotten to that place where we're like, when we have the the boldness regret Mm -hmm. before that, what we experience is this other kind of regret that's like, I didn't get the connection that I wanted because the connection is toxic. So something's wrong with me, right? Like something was wrong with what I did. How do we work through that kind of regret? Sometimes we, of course, support. (laughs) Getting support is always like the best. And sometimes it's the support might look like finding someone who can hold you with compassion to recognize like, oh my gosh, you were really trying hard to get this need met. You really wanted to be loved. You really wanted to be seen. You really wanted to be heard. And like just sitting with the fact that you gave of yourself in such a vulnerable way to someone who was incapable of receiving and just honoring that. Uh, I'm not going to cry. Yeah. (laughs) Because I keep crying on the, I was like for the longest time I didn't cry on these episodes and then like five in a row, I started crying. Um, Scorpio season fucking Scorpio season I you know how I feel about Scorpio season (laughs) get out of here when is it Sag season um yeah that hits so being witnessed in that way yeah you really wanted to be loved and that's where you were coming from that's what your motivation was and that's a pure motivation that's a sacred motivation when someone told me that the desire to be loved is sacred it touched me so deeply and it was like so soothing because I had such a habit of yelling at myself for all of the ways that I had tried Mm -hmm. to get connection and to get love that I forgot looking for love is sacred. And so many of us have the story of hurting ourselves in that quest because we didn't know how to do it. We didn't have a model we didn't know about boundaries, right? Like all of the things, mm-hmm. but that is such, right? Like using your verbiage, that is such a salve on our hearts to hear and to remember. Yes, like you were looking for love. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, there are some blocks here that we're going to work with, but your your desire to be seen and loved and heard and held all of that is sacred, honey. Like that's mm-hmm. okay. There's nothing wrong with you for doing that. Yeah. And to add in a little, another layer, I think it, it might hit particularly hard when you have a lot of exposure to narcissism or like folks who are really all about themselves because it might be scared to then like love yourself (laughs) like it's okay to first be the one to love you Mm. right because when we can love ourselves first then we're loving ourselves first and pouring love from that place into others 
Yeah. Ooh, I love that. And it, it sort of makes me think about that experience I had with Dan in quotes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That experience of like, I love you so much that I'm going to do this thing that doesn't align for me at all and mm-hmm. think and call it love. I'm going to call that love. Here's, here's the thing. If I had said to him, I'm really upset about this. How, like, I am so upset that you would even ask me or that you would like mm-hmm. open up this channel around. I don't get to come around because of something, the, uh, because of this awful thing, right? If I had mm-hmm. been in a boldness space, right. And like really spoken my truth, it would have caused conflict. Yes. And I think if I had been really honest with myself, would have ended the relationship there, which I think sub deep in my, in the deepest recesses of my being, that was my fear is that if I didn't do this thing that felt so like, that was so obviously not okay to do, I would have lost Dan. Yeah. But I did lose Dan anyway, two years later, because when Mm -hmm. you have to do things outside of your value system or outside of your like sense of self-love or self-worth or self-respect in order to keep a relationship. Eventually it's not a relationship that's going to, that's stable. That's going to, that's sustainable and it will eventually fall apart because it is, it's the house of cards. It's the, it's, there's no foundation. There's no real foundation for it. And we don't, you weren't ready to see that. Like I, I have a, (laughs) I have an experience with the Dan of my own in a certain way, right? And I could see that the relationship was not healthy and that I needed to free myself from it. But the fear around it kept me. And then I was a conscious actor in it. I had gotten to the point of where I was like, I I know what needs are getting met. And I know what needs are not getting met. And at this point, the needs that are getting met, I'm okay to like forego the ones that are not. <laughs> and I could only do that for so long until I came to the point of where I was like, okay, I can't betray myself anymore. I, I can't not love me anymore. Because then I started looking outside of myself and being like, what advice would I give? Like I did these things called life audits, like way back in college, um, like looking where I'm at where was I, where am I heading? Right. And like, I always bring my nieces into the fold. Cause I'm like, if my niece was to ask me, she was in my position, what advice would I give her? And if I was, if the table, like I absolutely like love and compassion, of course, but that I would give her the real and be like, look, you're so worthy. <laughs> you're enough. Right. Like all the things that I needed to hear, I would have to tell her and then use that for myself. <laughs> And so I, I, I get it. Sometimes we're just not ready and that's okay. (laughs) And that is also a piece of self-compassion that we can use when we're, when we're finding ourselves in regret, especially for those of us who experience childhood abuse or like chronic abuse in a relationship or something. Oh yeah. You know, we come out of it and like for me, and I talk about this a lot and maybe you can relate denial was a huge tool, like a survival tool that I used in my childhood to survive my family. Mm -hmm. And then I got in, I became an adult here. I was in my thirties in this experience with Dan, like I was a full ass grown adult woman (laughs) and I was still using denial because no one at that point, I wasn't, I wasn't really in therapy. Like no one had really intercepted and been like, you're using denial to navigate your relationships. Right. It's easy for me to look back on that and get mad at myself, right? Or or whatever. But truly these tools that we learned as, as our brains were forming, it's like you can't underestimate how powerful that is. Yeah. And part of us like working through regret is saying, I wasn't ready at the time to live without denial because it hurts so much. And that, yeah. You wouldn't yell at a child, Ho- hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not. <laughs> Definitely look into it if you would. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't yell at a child and and 
be like, you're in, you're in the denial space. You know what I mean? And like those children are still inside of us, right? Mm -hmm. Like that inner child energy is still there. So yeah. Um, well, let me ask this when regret feels all consuming and obsessive and it just feels like we can't get out of the loop of being like, why did I do that? Why, or why didn't I do that or whatever? How do we address that in a, in a healing way, in a healthy way? I grapple with this question only because um, I think the all consuming and the obsessive piece, like when something is all consuming and excessive, it kind of runs front and center for us. And if regret is running front and center, then it's running your life and you're not running your life. Some experience that happened in the past is running your life. Sure. You're not even present in the moment. And so at that point, I would say, baby, you deserve support. Like you are worthy of support. So honoring your humanness and assessing your relationship with regret and being like, okay, it's time for me to get support. That could look like going into therapy, joining a support group, finding someone you trust and sharing, like making the disclosure about what your reality has been right. And by reality, I mean, this all consuming and excessiveness that regret may have, right. Cause when it gets you in a chokehold, it can really get you in a chokehold. And we don't want to be operating from that space because then we are robbing ourselves of the moments in front of us. There's this, the past is in the present moment. And anytime the past is in the present moment, is it the present moment? Yeah. I really like thinking about when the past is in the present and when something from the past, when we know something from the past is ruling us. Right. And we know that that's what's in charge and it's not us that's in charge. And like, I mean, we started this call with me telling you that my abandonment wound had been triggered recently and how, when that happens, there's so many things, reactive things I want to do, but I know I'm like, Oh, We've been in therapy a minute here. <laughs> we know that none of those things are what's up. Like when my abandonment wound is triggered, and this is just like to give context around when the past is ruling the present. For me, an example is this abandonment wound that when it gets triggered, I want, I just want to fix the pain. So like, I just want to fix it with the person who happens to be in front of me in the moment who's triggering the wound, but none of what I'm actually feeling is about that person. It's not about this, like being abandoned by this person. It's about the shit from when I was four years old, six years old, you know, whatever, 12 years old, all of those. And sometimes it might be a signal that there's something happening in the present moment that is asking you for your awareness, right? So don't get trapped in the past and the present, right? Recognize it, the awareness, being mindful, being with the feeling for just letting it pass, like being with it. And then assessing what before me is actually happening. Is this a chance for me to make a different choice? Because that awareness, there's a, I don't know who where this quote, but it's a quote that awareness facilitates choice. (laughs) And I freaking love it because when we understand that awareness of something or awareness of like a body sensation or like it can lead us down a whole other pathway when we pause and then inject it's the mindfulness it's the self-compassion it's the inquiry it's the compassionate inquiry like right it's it's all the things and it's a practice <laughs> it's yeah. all a practice Yeah, I love that. And also like, it just goes back to what we were saying before. Tell me the quote again, awareness. Awareness facilitates choice. Choice. And if we haven't worked with our regret to some extent, then we don't know to make that different choice. Mm -hmm. If we're just like in no regrets mode, then we Mm -hmm. don't know like, oh yeah. Like last time when I felt abandoned and then I, and so I like, reached out to the dude and was like, I want to hang out. And like, that didn't work out. (laughs) That didn't work out, Howard, you know? So like, now we're going to make a different choice because 
because we've worked with regret. And that brings me to my last question, which is regret is also a tool that can help us improve our lives. So what does it look like? You know, how do we work with it? So when we can honestly disclose what the regret was, bring in a shit ton of self-compassion for our humanness and give ourselves a little distance from the regret itself and glean the nuggets or the wisdom like what was what was i attempting to what was the attempt what was the reach assessing it from that perspective can really help us see how oh this taught me that i actually value standing up for people like i'm thinking of an instance when i was like really young and I had a best friend. This is one of those connection. And I think it's like a connection moral, like all the regrets in one. And, you know, I was new to a school. She was really nice to me. And I we were like hanging out. And then next thing you know, one of the other kids from maybe like, we'll, we'll say cool with quotes. They started hanging out. And I was like, okay, cool. And then they told me some things. And I was like, okay. And I'm not very proud of the fact that like all of a sudden I stopped hanging out with this one person who will call Stormy and hanging with these other friends, these other friends who, you know, ultimately were friends, but like I didn't have to choose between them. I could have been friends with everyone, but for whatever reason, I in my little kid brain self was just it had to be either or, right? And I couldn't befriend everyone. The regret I had in that moment, how I learned from that and I was like, no, it doesn't have to be that way. Like I can be cool with everyone who I want to be cool with. <laughs> it doesn't have to be this weird dichotomy. And so learning how much I actually value honoring other people and honoring other people where they are versus like, discarding them or just discounting them. I wouldn't say discard. I would say discounting them and not standing up for them when like, you know, things were being said. So, yeah, I really like that about um, when you check in with what was the reach? What was the thing I was trying to accomplish and where did I miss my target? I love thinking about the word sin as like the original meaning of the word, which was just missing the target. Like, yeah, you just shot a little off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it's just a little off there. And um, I think we do that a lot. I think we like, we want a thing and we miss. And when we look back, we can think, okay, it wasn't the wanting of the thing that was the problem. And that goes back to that, like, you know, looking for love is sacred. It wasn't the wanting of the, of the thing. It wasn't the wanting of a friend group that felt comfortable or, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or like, you know, wanting harmony, right. Or whatever it is, it was, it's just like, there's this other piece in there that we want to look at that. How can, how can we make a different choice next time? Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, to speak to the grief piece that I brought in at yeah. the end, that grief is sometimes the helpful indicator. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's the thing where we go like, yeah, what would I do? Like, we're never just going to eradicate grief from our lives. I don't think, I think like, it's just part of our process. But when we have the grief of regret, it's helpful in the sense that we can use it as a guide to make those different choices. You are making me... <laughs> remember there is a definition of grief that I recently was made aware of by a, an author named Addison Brazil. And I want to say the quote is um, like kind of his definition of grief and it's the loss of anything meaningful. So something meaningful. And so as it relates to regret, there was something meaningful in that reach. And so honoring the fact that we ourselves, we made meaning around something. There's even like the grief of like being with that we're not going to be the same person. A grief around that. I, I mean, I know this isn't a grief episode, but I do want to say, because I think they're all interlinked, grief, regret, and 
the grief that you're going to be a different person. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there can be a lot of regret with that. I just want to say, I, I, I haven't like, I, I haven't thought about this, but that hit me so hard when you said that, because I, I just feel that in my body. And I think the regret of trusting people who weren't trustworthy, for example, and, and the loss of innocence that can come. And that's like, I, I posted a video the other day that you and I were chatting about for a second about Scorpio season. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of the things I didn't say in that video that I wanted that I later was like, Oh, I should have said that was that sometimes the death that happens during Scorpio season, because for people who don't know, Scorpio oversees the underworld and a death processes like in the abstract also in the in the literal but in the abstract Mm -hmm. there is the loss of innocence that can happen Mm -hmm. that's what the death can look like is the loss of innocence and sometimes we make choices because we don't know any better and experience a loss of innocence as a result and that can be such a fragmenting experience it can feel like you're not who you used to be. Right. And I think when we're working with, I've experienced that. This is why I I like struggle so much with Scorpio season is because so many of my Scorpio deaths have included that aspect, the loss of innocence aspect. And I think so often we, we want to talk about, um, and this is all coming back to regret. We, we want to talk about, to get astrological for a minute about Scorpio as like the death and rebirth. And I very firmly feel like Scorpio is not interested so much in your rebirth. It's really interested in the death. And we like to think about that as like, oh, but the death is good. And it absolutely can be, even though we fight it, we don't want it like a divorce, breaking up with a friend, losing a job, all these things that we fight and we don't want because it hurts in the immediate they're necessary losses. And sometimes the loss is the loss of innocence. Mm. It can be the loss of faith. It can be the loss of hope, right? These things that are actually fragmenting and we can so often get into the regret around that, right? Like I'm in such a worse space now because I trusted that person or because I made that decision. I made that move, whatever. And I guess what I want to say to that is that that happens and it's a human experience and you're not alone. That's the first thing I want to say is you're not alone. If you're feeling that, if you're going through that and we can do um, soul, soul gathering, uh, mm-hmm. journeys where we, we recognize that we've lost something that wasn't meant to be lost, right. That we shouldn't have, um, that shouldn't have been like cleaved from us or pried from us or ripped from us. And it's our job. And this is part of what I was saying is that like Scorpio's job is to take the thing, right. To create, to initiate the death process, our job, it's not Scorpio's job. Our job is to choose the rebirth that like Scorpio is like, Hey, you want to chill out in the fucking underworld forever? Great. I'll just be here in my underworld, right? You can hang out as long as you want to get out of the fucking underworld. We make that choice. We take that journey that we have to be conscious about that or else we stay in the lack of faith. We stay in the lack of hope. We stay in the um, jadedness, right? And the, the loss of innocence. You're making me think about the returning to self. Yes. Yes. It's the returning to self. And even with regret, regret was a, it's a, it can be considered like a fracture in the self in terms of like, I abandoned a piece of myself. Right. And like, I think of boundaries in very similar, like adjacent parallel ways. And so the returning of self, that rebirth, that, that choice point you have, it's like, how do you want to be reborn? And we need, we need it all. We need the deaths and the rebirth. Like it's all a part. I'm in like a co a, a reimagining grief cohort right now. And like, I want to say it's in the mind cosmo vision that we learned about, um, how like it's a returning to the earth to be reborn again. 
So it's like a returning to that's all that just keeps coming up. It's like a returning, like regret. Think of regret as like a returning to what you originally know to be true for you and how you want to be, who you want to be, how you want to conduct yourself in the world. Holy shit. That is the best takeaway I think I've ever heard about regret is that regret is the door we can walk through if we're mindful and intentional, the door we can walk through in order to return to ourselves, right? In order to return to, I advocate for myself. I love myself. I make decisions from my values. I make decisions from clarity and not from denial. Like I come back to myself, but I can't do that if I have no regrets, right? Because I can't make a different choice. And that is really the power that regret gives us. We can take accountability. Like it's, the, it's the, yes, yes. Yeah, exactly that. It's, it's taking accountability and not in a like, fuck you, you fucked up way. It's taking accountability like I can choose to hang out in Scorpio death energy in the I am like I'm dead inside energy as long as I want. But it's my job eventually to choose the birth, to look at the regret, to use the regret to my advantage, to walk through that door and return to who I truly am. Yeah. Renee, I I am so obsessed with you. <laughs> Speaking of obsession. <laughs> I appreciate you, Remy. <laughs> oh my God. I just love you so much. I always love having you. And in fact, like I was feeling really raw and tender this morning. And I was like, thank God I have Renee on today because, and then we got on, we were both in our fucking snuggies. <laughs> Doing my little dance over here. A little yeah. jiggy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I love you so much. Okay. If this was such a beautiful conversation, it was, it was just like more than I even imagined it could be. So thank you. Thank you for coming on. I need, I think also with just the tenderness I'm having with Scorpio season, I really needed this conversation. If other people want to connect with you, how can they find you? Uh, you can connect with me on Instagram at Renee Shanae Tate, or check out my website, www.reneeshanaetate.com. And how, how do you spell Shanae for people who don't know? S H A N E E last name Tate T A T-E. And there are two N's in your name, right? R-E. Nope. No, no, two E's. Two E's. So R-E-N-E-E. -E. Yeah. Okay. Just so people know. Yes. Just so y'all know. <laughs> and if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Insta at the Pachama Party or on my personal Insta at Remy's R-E-M-E-E-Z. You can also email me at pachamaparty at gmail.com. If you have a topic you'd like to hear covered, hit me up. This was a topic that someone suggested and it was such a beautiful suggestion. So thank you. Thank you. Also, if you want to join the Pachama Party community, you can find us on Facebook. It's such a cool group of listeners. We check in with each other about the stuff we're going through, offer support and resources like Nicole's plant idea. So if you're into that, just search the Pachama Party and I'll add you. I also want to mention, I'm going to take a fucking break. You guys, I've been doing this for over two years, nonstop. I have, I'm like, I haven't, I was like, wait, other podcasts have seasons. What? They like take the summer off and shit. So, um, yeah, I'm you on. Yeah. Take the break. Remy. Yes. I'm going to take a little break. I'm going to take, um, I think I'm going to go through December and then take January, February, maybe March off. And I definitely have to take part of February and March off because I'm going to New Zealand. Oh my gosh. We're going to have to talk when you get back because I so want to know how you did it, where you went, all the things. Cause that's on my list. Oh my God. I just like found, I was just like, boop -a doop going through my email and it was like alert like cheap flights to Auckland and I was like oh shit I'm a Sag I don't have to think this through man bye <laughs> the joys of being a fire sign um yeah so anyway I'm taking I'm, I'm taking off for a week gonna check out New Zealand so I'm gonna take a little time off FYI letting you all know right now but I'm gonna come back with some new awesome episodes um but yeah but we'll be here I'm gonna get you guys through the holidays because what the fuck with the holidays we all need some support during the holidays and speaking of support if this pod has helped you and you have a minute 
rate, review, subscribe. It really does help. I read all the reviews. And if you'd like to support the pod, you can. You can give a dollar a month, $5. I just got a new subscription the other day. It made me so happy. I was like, oh, a little tear. I was like, thank you so much. $5 a month. You have no idea. Um, I pour myself into this podcast. I truly do. I put a ton of time and energy into it. So if you're able and move to just go to podcasters.spotify.com forward slash pod forward slash show forward slash the Patrama party <laughs> and scroll down the support button. Or if you're on Spotify, you can just go to the Patrama party page and there's just like a support button right there, ready to go. And until next time, baby, enjoy the party. The information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only. None of the material presented is intended to be a substitute for psychotherapy, counseling, professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you need to speak with a professional, find one local to you and reach out directly.